Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month and you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away. All for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Hello, my beloved socios. Okay, this is a first. After two and a half seasons, we finally got a Knight of the Realm on the show. So, oh... Please be upstanding for Sir Les Ferdinand. If you watched football in the 90s, you'll have special memories of Les Ferdinand for QPR and Newcastle in particular. He was a hugely popular striker, powerful, quick, supreme in the air, particularly for his height. He's now back at QPR, which was his first professional club, as director of football. So get ready to hear Sir Les on all of these subjects and also on helicopters. Of course, you're going to love that. Well, at least... I did. But let's start in Turkey. How many of you know that it was in Istanbul where Selez first made his name and won his first trophy, gloriously, against the man I most hate in all of football? I can fully understand having watched you play and having talked to you while I worked in London why they call you Sir Les, but we're with Selez Ferdinand, which is very exciting indeed, and we're in your majestic office where you can see your domain out the window yes. and it's a beautiful London day. This is kind of your manner. This is back to, well, this is where Les Fernand should be at QPR. Yeah. I, yeah, we say my manner. This is my club in terms of, you know, where it all, where it all started for me. In terms of my manner, my manner is Labour Grove. I grew up in, in sort of like West London, Notting Hill. And although this is the west side, it's not quite as... It's the leafy countryside yeah, the leafy, sort of leafy thing, leafy isn't it? Right As you go from here back into town, there's a little bit of wild land where they've got ponies and horses uh, and stuff like that that nobody's ever developed on. That's right, yeah. Which I absolutely love. Yeah, that's think, so London to me. That's, that's, I think it's green belts so and no one can develop on it. So, um, yeah, you always see that going in and then after that. 
once you go past that, then you, you realise you're in London because there's, no, there's not too much greenery until you go to the parks. This Arlington is featured in our podcast so much. <laughs> There's so many Chelsea players, and when I was a reporter in London, you'd come out here mm-hmm. and nobody could hear each other. Your high ball might hit a jumbo jet, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Have you diverted the flight path or anything like that, or is it still kind of like it was? It, wee bit of windy? Yeah, it's a wee bit like it was. Um, we, we've improved the pitches. Um, but unfortunately, we've not been able to improve the quality of the sound. So every now and again, you'll hear a jumbo going over, and we might have to stop this for a little bit. Well, listen, listen, and the building we'll, will shake as well. What you'll hear is Les and I miming <laughs> the parts that you can't hear because of the flight path. So you'll have been asked this a thousand times, but I can't hide the fact that um, as somebody who moved abroad because of my love for Spanish football, mm-hmm. and as somebody who's made it my business to be nosy to John Collins or Steve McManaman I've all inspired them or what they learned abroad. I have to kind of rewind quite a long way to a moment when you're playing for this club or you've just begun to play for this club. And some people listening to this podcast, believe it or not, won't know. You kind of made your name in Turkey, briefly. Yeah. You went from London without probably too much Turkish, maybe some night class, I don't know. Yeah. Not knowing much about Turkey. Before you kind of say, well, it was an easy decision because there's a... When a young man who's brought up, who's barely touched professional football and is breaking through in London at the club that was nearest to him, not the club you support, gets told, do you want to go to Turkey? What the hell makes you say yes? I think, for me, I'd come into the, into the side and I'd, I'd, I'd sort of been playing in men's football in non-league at Hayes. And I came in, I came into the reserves and although you were playing with you know, senior professionals, a lot of the time you were playing against apprentices. So I find it quite quite easy I was scoring goals in the, in the reserves uh, hence I got I got an, an early chance to um, make my debut so I, I made my debut I came off the bench at uh, Coventry I think I'd been at the club for about three four weeks and uh, we went to Coventry and it was the year in 87 when they won the FA Cup so I joined the back end of, of the season I think it was like six seven weeks to go so I was able to, to make my debut against Coventry we got beat 3-1 so like that was my, my, my sort of like first taste of it, and I was like, wow, I was in awe of it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking in Panini books and mm. collecting stickers of, of players, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting in the changing room and we've got some of these players that I've been collecting. So, like, you know, I always remember my first game, I had to take time off work. Uh, I was working and uh, I was doing deliveries, I was working for a wallpaper shop, painting wallpaper and doing painting and decorating. And I had to take time off my, um, my job to play my first reserve game which is against Southampton at the Old Dell. I always remember turning up at Queen's Park Rangers to get on the coach, so I dressed up, got there, and then the first person to greet me was Sammy Lee. Whoa, whoa. Talk about Panini stickers. Yeah, exactly. Sammy Lee, who's done everything for Liverpool and England. Exactly. And the greeting is like? And he's come over, and, and, I, and, and I get to the coach, and he comes out, and then he says, ah, oh, hi, Les, how are you, blah, and I'm thinking... He knows my name. He's called me Les. And, and he said, you know, he's good luck and blah, blah, blah. It's a great, great career for you and this, that and the other. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. Because as you said, I'm, I'm looking at Sammy Lee. He's called me Les. And he's saying, come on, this is what you do. He brought, us, brought me on the coach and, you know, I sat down, got me a cup of tea and everything. And I'm thinking, this is Sammy Lee. It's proper. There was Clive Walker on, on, on the coach, Gary Chivers. All these players on the coach who were at QPR at the time. Um, we went down to the Dell. And I always remember getting smashed by Jimmy Case. First five minutes of the game, just uh, smashed me. And I fell on the floor. And he looked down at me and he went, 
welcome to professional football, young man. And then just ran off, and I was like, it's worth the smash just for the lane. That's, that's a good lane. <laughs> and he said to me, welcome, and I thought, oh, okay. Sam, Sammy and Jimmy might have had some, they'd have been teammates. Yeah, they would have been teammates. Sammy yeah, yeah. wouldn't like to be losing yeah, to, to exactly. Southampton, I'd guess. Yeah, exactly. So um, we, we kind of like went down, and like I said, it was my first reserve game, and like, it was, I was so in awe of it, I don't even remember it. Do you know what I mean? It was that, like I was just so in awe of everything around me and everything that was going on that that was the one part of the game I remember getting smashed by Jimmy Case and him saying welcome to professional football. Cause like I said, there was six weeks to go. I came on against uh, Coventry, we got beat three one. I came on against Sheffield uh, Wednesday, we were five one down when I came on. And then um it's all like we had the uh, the summer break and uh, it was like being back at school again, you know. So like you get six weeks off and, and stuff and we did that and then I came back pre season. And it was obviously the first pre-season I've ever done in professional. Your manager Jim Smith at this Jim, stage, Jim, isn't he? Yeah, sorry, yeah. Jim Smith is a big character. Yeah, and um, it was Peter Shreves around. Frank Sibley was here. Um, yeah, so we came back, did the first pre-season, and we used to train at a place up in uh, just on the A40 there, called uh, uh, just behind Viking Sports. It used to be along the Barclays Bank, and. Um, I did my first sort of like few days and back then used to go out and it's not like it is now. You run everything with the ball, like you went out and we ran up and ran to this hill and I looked at the hill and I thought, have we got to go up there? <laughs> yeah, we got to go up. And not only have you got to go up, you've got to come back down and you've got to go up again. And then you've got to come back down and you've got to go up again. And Get then, out of here. So it was and no that, oxygen, no sharpness. Nothing. And it was sort of like my first pressure. So after a few days, I came in uh, one day and, and the physio said to me, how are you feeling? Because I'd seen him doing some work on the boys on their backs and stuff like that. And I said, uh, yeah, I feel a bit stiff. And that was normal because I hadn't done a professional pre-season before. Ah, this so. was the first one? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd done non-league uh, uh, sort of like pre-seasons, but this was my first professional pre-season. So anyway, he, he, he clunked my back. He did some work and he, he, he manipulated my back. And two days later, I couldn't get out of bed. I was I was stuck, couldn't move, I couldn't get out of bed. And so we, we called you know called him up and said, I can't move. So anyway, they got someone in, a guy called Ron Johnson, who rectified everything. But for the rest of that season, problems... Like whether it was my hamstrings, whether it was, you know, I just kept having problems, and so that first season was a real, a real problem for me. Yeah. And, and we put it down; everyone put it down to the fact it was my first pre-season and my first getting used to. Um, and then this opportunity came around it, during that season. I was still playing some reserve games, but I never really got close to, to being part of the first team again. Travelled a couple of times, but never was, was never really part of it. it. Was only two substitutes mm. back then as well. So um, I remember. Jim Smith speaking to me and saying, you know, I think you've got a real chance, he said, but, you know, obviously I'm not able to play you and blah, 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 blah. Um, my friend out in, in Turkey, Gordon Mill, he's coaching the team out there, and um, he said he needs a centre-forward, and I've told him that, you know, you might be the answer. And he said, and I think it'd give you a great opportunity to go away and see whether you can be the, 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 the centre-forward we think you can be. So at the beginning, I was like, yeah, OK, yeah, 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 just... I just kind of bad it off and I just said yeah I'm thinking I ain't never going to Turkey in the back of my head you know and I think that would have been a normal reaction yeah. do you know what I mean if you said to me you're going down the road to Brentford or you're going to go to blah blah you might have understood it but he's going to Turkey and as you said I, 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 I knew very little about Turkey so um, <laughs> he mentioned it to me again probably three weeks later he mentioned the same thing again and then he said to me Gordon Mill was coming over um, he was going to come and watch training and stuff like that. Uh, they had, had you heard of Gordon from his Leicester or Company days? Not at the really? time, I've got to be honest, I, I hadn't. Yeah, okay. no. 
I did some research on it, and um, as you said, uh, you know, played with Liverpool and, and everything else. And he said Gordon Mill was coming over around about the Christmas time when sort of like out in Turkey they have a they have a break. Small bit, yeah. So um, he said, oh, Gordon's going to come over and he's, he's going to come watch training and stuff and have a look here. So he came over, watched training, and then I kind of like dismissed it after that. I thought, oh, I'm never going to do it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do the Curtis thing and I meet Gordon, have a chat with him. And I did. I sat down in the Hilton Hotel in, in, in Kensington. I know exactly. Uh, and saw, like, in Holland Park, just on yeah, the corner. Yeah. yeah. And I sat there with Gordon. He was staying there and we, we had a chat and he was saying, look, son, I, I, he said, I've watched you in training and all that. And he said, I think you've got a real chance. And he said, like, you know, kind of like sold the sheep test to me and, and Turkey. And um, left and kind of like shook hands with him and said, yeah, I think I'll do it. And then I went home and I went, Mum, I don't know if I've done the right thing, yeah? I'm shaking hands with someone that I'm going to go to Turkey. To you, that meant something. I mean, I'm not being rude because yeah. I, I, I like that and I loved when you said, I'll do the courteous thing. Yeah. One, I think that's a good upbringing. Mm. Two, I think there was a certain kind of London code about slightly old-fashioned traditional things. I did traditional thing, but a handshake was quite an important thing, yeah. right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. If I shake my hands with you about something and I say, I'm going to do it, that's it, it's done. That's what you I know, thought, and, and like so that, love that. I'd shaken hands with Gordon, and I said, Mum, I'm not sure if I've done the right thing. I've done, I've, I've shaken hands with Gordon Mill and said to him, I'm going to come to Turkey. And she's gone, what? Because I hadn't really said anything to her, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even mention it. When Jim yeah. Smith mentioned it to me, I didn't even mention it. And um, I kind of like, in that, in that space of time of going from the Hilton Hotel, and I think it's well published now, that I lived on the Lancaster West Estate, right yeah. where the Grenfell Towers were. Yeah. So from the Hilton Hotel to the Grenfell Towers is probably a 10-minute walk. But I was driving, so it's a couple of minutes. But in the time of me driving from from sort of like the hotel back to to my my home, I thought, I I can't like gave myself, what's the the worst-case scenario here? And I said, well, the worst-case scenario is I can go there, absolutely hate it, Mm. jump on a plane and come back, and although they'll hold my registration... Mm. I'll just have to sit here and, and, and not play football for a year. And I said, but that was the worst case scenario. Still clear vision. Yeah. Still quite organised thinking. Because yeah. if you part that worst case, everything after that is better, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying it. So that's 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 the worst case scenario for, for me. But then I could go there and absolutely love it and, and, and do well. So I thought coming in. So even on the day that I left to go to uh, to Gordon was 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 still over here. Your mum comes around to the idea. Yeah, my mum says, "Look, listen, son, you got to do whatever you think's right. And if things are not progressing in the way that you want at QPR, if you think this will benefit you, and and at the same time, I had a few chats with my dad, and he was like, "Listen, son, you've gone into professional football, but you're still living the same life." And I was. I was still running around with my mates because I didn't want my mates to think that I'd changed in any way, shape or form because I'd become a professional footballer. I come from that kind of like, uh, that upbringing and that background is like, you know, you, you don't you don't really change. You, you just stay the way you are. You know, you keep your same friends and, and so on and so forth. And so I probably went over the top trying to prove to my friends that I hadn't changed when I really needed to change. Makes sense. Yeah, I really needed to change. But at the time, I was, I was 19. So I didn't really know no better. I just had a little boy as well. Wow. So that was a big decision for me, do you know wow. what I mean? Yeah. Um, to, to move over there. And, um, is Aaron? Yeah, Aaron, yeah. She was, so, man. So we, we what, this is a big decision. Yeah. So, you know, I spoke to, to, uh, to Angela, who's Aaron's mum, and said, look, this is option. She goes, you've got to do it. She goes, look, we can, we can come over and see you and this, that, and, and I'll bring Aaron and no problem. She's like, okay. So um, I made the decision that I was going. So I remember coming out my front door with my suitcases in my hand. I looked at him and I went, 
Where am I going? Because, <laughs> uh, like I said, the only thing I knew about uh, Turkey at that time was the film Midnight Express, and that's not the best advert for... for Necessarily, no, not really. So, um, in 1989, I got my suitcases, and I'm, I'm, I'm heading to, to Turkey. So, uh, we get on a plane, and... and um, Gordon, sitting next to Gordon, and he's going, oh, son, I think you'll have a great time. You know, I've, I've lived out here for a, a, a few years now, and they're great people. It's a great club. It's in, You'll get looked after. So um, he kind of, like, gave me some do's and don'ts of what to do and what not to do um, in terms of, like, he said, look, there'll be times where you're due your, your, your money. Um, he said you get paid a little bit differently over there. Um, there'll be times where you might be... Slow, I Yeah, presume. exactly. And he says you, your money might be due on Friday but you'll get it the following Friday, but you will get it, so don't don't react. And, you know, he said, we've had a few that in the past, some of our players have gone, well, no, I'm not training, and they, they just get rid of them. So I was like, OK. So anyway, went out there, and as we landed, uh, we get to the airport, and, you know, you, you go to the carousel to get your, your luggages. Before I get to the carousel, there's, like, loads of photographers and, and taking pictures and all that, and I'm thinking... I must be for Gordon because I'm like, oh, doing well, and they're taking pictures of me, and I'm going, God, did I? I've just come out of the reserves of QPR. Oh, did I realise that? He went, No, son, it'd be all right. I go outside. We get outside the, the customs, and we go outside, and you got Bishop support standing, hoisting me on their shoulders, and I'm thinking, Oh my God, I've, I've only ever played in reserves. I ain't even really played in the first time. I've been playing much better than I realised, <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> That's incredible. Because for, for, young, for younger listeners, hello, age, ageism here, no internet. No. You know, no beaming live games from, you know, Brentford or yeah. QPR Reserves over to Turkey. This is, they've gone out and said, well, this hero is yeah. coming. They must have gone and searched that information. I don't know how. What I do now understand is, and I suppose I understood at the time after I'd got there, was that English football was held in such high regard in Turkey at the time that they thought anyone coming from the English league to play in their league was like this is because Forrest and Liverpool dominating the European Cup and the England team quite exciting under Greenwood that's a couple of years before I suppose yeah it was but like I suppose at the time you you still are our football was probably the most competitive football that was about so that was probably the reason why there was was all this um, furore Mm. uh, around this but I remember getting to a, getting in a car and going to a hotel. And, um, you know, like, it might be the same in Spain as well, I think it is, that the, the, the offices are never at the stadium, not like here in England, you know. So we went to a, a hotel, which was just up the road from uh, Besiktas's offices. Um, so I was staying there overnight, and I think I, I was there one night, and the next day we was going to Germany pre-season. So get to the hotel and sit there relaxing and then Gordon says to me, listen Liz, um, what we're going to do, I'm going to have a training session this afternoon. I've asked the, 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 them to put on a training session so that I can introduce you to the lads before we actually go to Germany so you can meet the players. He says, something that we do every year really, it's just a bit of a, the fan, a few fans come and see what players that have, uh, we've signed in the, in the close season. You know? And I said, OK, all right, yeah, no problem. So anyway, we're, we, we, get, we relax for like a couple of hours and, and he said, well, off we go. So anyway, we get in the car and I said, I'm getting closer to the stadium. And I could hear this like, I could hear this noise coming out of the stadium. And I'm saying, good. He yeah. said there was like a couple of people coming and training. So what's training? He said, yeah, yeah, there's a few people. Couldn't believe it, 35,000 people. <laughs> the stadium Beauty. was absolutely packed, jam-packed. Yes. Right? 
And he said, yeah, that's what he said. We, 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 we unveil all the signings that we've made in the close season in this in this training session. So I was like, oh, OK. So um, anyway, we're, never forget it. We're, we're, we're in the tunnel and they used to have one of these uh, uh, tunnels where you go down, you come up the stairs and you go out onto the pitch. And we're in the tunnel, and I've I've kind of like met all the players in the change room. A lot of them couldn't speak English. There was a couple of boys that had gone to university, so they could speak English. So um, you know, communicate with them, and they introduced me to everybody, and blah. And we had an interpreter there. So anyway, when we was going out, they said, "Look, there's you." Uh, I, I sort of like tried to get in, just filtering with one of the players, and they kept pulling me out and getting me to the back, <laughs> pulling me out, getting me out. Every time I tried, they wouldn't notice me. Every time I tried to filter in, they kept pulling me out and going, "No, no, 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 no." You're, you're the man. Last. You're going last. So all these players have so, gone out, and I come up, and then this big chair comes up, and everyone's screaming and shouting, and um, they give me a dove, right? Old fellow runs over, gives me a dove, and he says, "When you get to the centre circle, you let the dove go." Nobody's warned you this is going to happen. No, no, no one. Someone runs up and gives you a dove. But first of all, before I came out, I forgot this part. I came out, and what they do, they um, slaughter a sheep. Before the start, it's one of their rituals. Okay. And so they took me over to where the, the, the sheep was lying, and they, they take someone dabs their finger, their finger in the blood of the sheep, and they did the sign of the cross on my forehead and on my boots. And then the geezer gave me the dove, and she'd go to the centre. So, so I, I don't know, none of this is happening. You're just sort of playing along. Yeah, but playing along. So again, go, it's a bit of a surprise. Yeah. So I go to the centre circle, and, uh, and I throw the dove up. So I throw the dove up. And all of a sudden, Dove, I think, that's not flying away. It's actually coming back down again. So the duck comes down, it hits the deck, bang. And everything in the stadium goes silent. It was like a movie. No way! Everything goes silent. Right. So I throw it up, and I throw it up even higher, thinking, come on, Dove, go, go. Did you see? Get me out of this one, please. coming back down again. Hits the deck. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking... I see it, I'm finished. I do, I've only been here now, a couple of hours, I'm finished, I've got to go back. All right, and then this, this old fella runs up and he pulls the wings apart a little bit, you know, and he, and he says, now. To open them Yeah, bit. he opens the wings a little bit. And, uh, so anyway, he gives it back to me and I fry it up and this thing flies off and everyone's, wee, like that. And I was thinking, come on, for, for 15 minutes, for 10 minutes. Yeah, I thought that was, I was a goner, like, I didn't even think I was getting out of the stadium. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So yeah, that that was uh, uh, my first sort of like taste of what what Turkey and, and Besiktas was all about. We went off to Germany the next day uh, as, as normal pre-season. Played in my first game, scored, and kind of went on from there. So I had a good pre-season. We played. We then came back, played in a thing called the President's Cup, right. which was played between 
Fenerbahce, uh, Galatasaray, and, and Besiktas. Who are the three big rivals? Then. Yeah. So it's good, and that and that's that's at the start of the season. It's called the President's Cup, and um, it's only between those three teams. Yeah. So I scored against Galatasaray. I scored against Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce in my first game, and that was it. Like, and never mind the dub. Yeah, you're in now. Yeah, I mean, you score against yeah, Galatasaray yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're in, right? Yeah. How how was that responded to? I mean, uh, the, 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 obviously the supporters were going wild and it's like you turn up somewhere and they say, right, these are the local rivals, Galatasaray and Fenerbahce were the other team on the other side of Asia. Because you, know, you, you cross the Bosporus to go over the other yeah. side of Asia. And so um, you've got the European side and you've got the, the Asian side of... Um, uh, and uh, Yeah, Fenerbahce was on the Asian side. So anyway, they, uh, they, you know it was their biggest rivals and um, they'd signed uh, Tony Schumacher. Yeah, I've never forgiven him for the yeah. T World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Regular listeners, yeah. listeners know what I think. Of Tony Schumacher. So I scored against him. Come that on, like, yeah. So that was. So a, this is uh, the president's cup. You scored. Yeah, against they him. scored. You know, yes, that's my okay. first game against uh, against okay. USA. Anyway, we we end up winning the president's cup. So it's a good start to the season. We got off to a great start, and we won majority of the games with it. And I ended up scoring. I think it was. I played thirty three games in all with uh, cup and league and scored twenty one goals. Which is sensational for yeah. him, and and it takes you away from a year injured and maybe reserves and on the brink of QPR. But how, how are you living? I'm genuinely interested in what's you see. You don't understand a word, right? Yeah. So everybody now who travels carries I don't know iPads, yeah. DVDs. Um, we're all listening to different sides, but hopefully podcasts. Mm-hmm. None of that is there for you. No, nope. you don't have family or a loved one there with you all the time. No language, the culture is hugely different. You've already said that this city in which you live, you know, is formed by two continents meeting. Yeah. Was it overwhelming? We were talking recently about Terry Gibson did one of these interviews and he said, Aussie, you know, a World Cup winner. And Ricky V arrived at Spurs, <laughs> they trained, and they were packed off into their, I don't know, four Cortina and set yeah. off. And nobody telling them <laughs> where to go, how to get back the next yeah. day. They couldn't speak English. So, how were you, in order to give you a platform to score 21 and 33, yeah. what was life like for? A 22-year-old Labrook Grove guy in, in Istanbul. How did you survive? The one thing I did was I said, I can't go to Turkey and say, that's not like England, that's not like London, that's not like London. Um, what I had to do was immerse myself in what Turkish life was all about. Wow. And I'd thought that before I'd gone over, I thought, look, if I'm going there, I've got to accept what, what Turkey is. And to my surprise, it was absolutely fantastic. Of course, I missed my family and, and stuff like that, my son, but I didn't pine for anything. I thought, this is an opportunity for me to come and concentrate on football 150%, no distractions, nothing else. I lived in a hotel for about six weeks, and then I was like, no, I need to get a flat, I, need to, I just need a bit of space. And so the club were absolutely fantastic with me. They couldn't have been any better. They couldn't have helped me in any, any more than what they did. And I was fortunate because... Um, I had a Serbian goalkeeper. Uh, his name was Radi Zalad, and he was the he, he spoke English really well. Perfect. His wife was an English teacher at school, yeah, so that helped me. And then there was a, another friend of mine. He, he was like one of the managers at the hotel at the Hilton where, where I stayed, and uh, he became a, very, a really good friend of mine. He's no longer alive, unfortunately. He took his life, but he became a really good friend of mine. Um, and he was a massive sort of like you know he, he loved the football club he was like you know so he would do anything for the football club for it to benefit and so those two people had a real big effect on me being able to settle into life in, in, in Turkey in, 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 in a what are the sights and sounds and the colours and the noises and the food and 
as a footballer, you maybe don't have a lot of time. Mm. But you know, was it inspirational? Was it confusing? What did you learn? Did you hear the call to prayer? I've yeah. recently been in Qatar, grew yeah. up in Scotland down here. You hear that, you start to pay attention to it. At first, it's a little bit unusual, and then you go, like, Yeah, boy, that's really hypnotic. But were there things about life in Istanbul that stick with you? I think, Sounds or smells? I think the biggest thing for me that I recognise and, and pretty quickly was I think anywhere you go in life, any country you go to, there's a, there's a line between wealth and poverty. And I felt that the line between wealth and poverty in Istanbul was very extreme to what I'd seen anywhere else in the world. And that was the one thing that, that, that captured me. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing was that everybody supported a football team. Mm. So wherever you go, and I, uh, you know, in Istanbul, I stood out like a bit of a sore thumb, really. Do you know what I mean? So everywhere I went, everyone was 30, 30, 30, you know. And um, and the Gala guys and the Fener guys, did you feel was, okay with them? They was absolutely fantastic with me. <laughs> and I think, the reason I was I ended up being quite successful there was the simple fact that, like I said, I immersed myself, and even with my teammates, I, I tried to show them that I wanted to learn Turkish rather than me speak English all the time. But they accepted; they wanted to learn. They were doing my turn as well. Going, yeah. No, we don't want you to learn Turkish. We want to learn English, like you know. So um, I had some good good teammates and looked after me really well. Before we finish in this for the cup final, why are you like that? You know, I've grown up all my life with mm. it's very rare that a British footballer is even willing to consider the risk. And all right, now there yeah. are sums of money here, but let's put the current Premier League boom to one side. As a, as a nation, mm. Scotland, England, and Wales, it's the minority who would take that kind of chance and then secondly would go, on top of that, I know how I'm going to handle this. Yeah. I'll be open to the culture. I'm gonna, but, you know, why are you different? Who formed you like that? And made, made you adventurous. Yeah. And why the hell aren't more people in our islands like that? It's funny because, uh, like, unfortunately, my mum's not alive anymore, but obviously speaking to my dad, my dad's sort of like, he's probably not as adventurous. You know, my dad, every year, go on holiday back to St Lucia, where he came from, so he wouldn't go anywhere else. Whereas I go all over the world, and, and this, you know, this football thing has, has put me in a fortunate position where I mm. could do that. But I think back there, there's something innate in you. It's very difficult to put your finger on why you're like that, why you, why I did what I did. Even now, I, 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 you know, you ask me the questions, and I'm thinking, yeah, why did I do that? Why did I? Mm. But it's just how I felt at the time, and it was, I just saw it as an opportunity. I wanted to be a professional footballer, and I saw it as an opportunity to give myself a year of just total football to concentrate about. Forget all my mates here. Forget everything to do with with life here in, in England and London. It was about me going somewhere and trying to re- realise the potential that I felt I had. Do me and Patrick Batterstone a favour and, and build up to the cup final by... T- I haven't seen the semi-final goal, but you score in the semi-final of the cup of the Turkish Cup, right? It's the actual final I score in. But you didn't score in the semi? I thought you... I think you'll find you scored in the semi-final I as well. I probably did. And then... <laughs> now listen, that, we didn't rehearse that. That's just... Tip, that's why you surlaced. So you did, as a matter of fact, you right. did score. And away from home too in the semi-final. And it's a two-leg final. Yeah. And the first leg is at Fenerbahce. So, I don't know, probably no pressure, no big deal. Uh, to try and set the scene and tell us about the goal, because I have seen the goal uh, at the time and recently. It's phenomenal. Yeah. What's the scene? The scene is I turn up, uh, we turn up to Fenerbahce, knowing that um, this is a two-legged final. Um, and there'd been a lot of stuff going on in the press, because 
they had uh, what they deemed to be a hard man called Nezim, uh, Nezi playing for Fenerbahce and we'd had quite a few run-ins throughout the season. We, we meaning you and him? Yeah, me and him had quite a few run-ins uh, during the season in terms of tackles and because I'd come from English football I was aggressive I was I was strong I was powerful but he was the one that was going to tame me because he was the hard man of Turkish football so we'd had a few battles um, throughout the season to be honest and um, fun yeah fun yeah but you relished yeah, it yeah relished it you know I thought yeah you know, if he got the better of me in one game I was making sure I got the better of him in another game and stuff like that and then going into the final always remember the press saying that Nezi was one of those that would go over the top and some of the tackles that he's put on me is, it, it has been out of order and blah, blah, blah. And the referee has to be tough in this game. And I always remember, I think it was my first turn and run with the ball and he came from nowhere and took me out and the referee booked him. It was less than five minutes into the game. So the referee booked him and, and, and you know, thinking back on what the, the papers had said, he obviously acted on the fact that, you know, he had no chance of getting the ball. And just First starters and them days weren't bookings, right? <laughs> yeah, Am I right? right? I mean, yeah, for exactly. those who don't remember yeah, that time, yeah. but, I'm being fair, am yeah, I? Yeah, no, without a shadow. You had one yeah. for free, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At and, least. And even, you, you probably had more than one, because it, was, it wasn't until I came back to, to the UK and started playing on a regular basis that the, the one tackle from behind rule came in where a referee would go. I remember playing against Tony Adams once at Loftus Road, and he came through the back of me. I remember the referee went, right, Tony, that's your one. <laughs> and you know wrote the FIFA rules, and that wasn't written in the rules. Like, it's first tackle, but there's a one, yeah, you know, there's and, one and then. I'll never forget it. And he, went, he turned around and he went, right, Baldy, I've had my one, it's your <laughs> turn next, you know what I mean? And that was, but that was it back then, you know, wow. because before then, you'd go through the back and through the back and through the back of, of, of players. And, and this guy, he'd come out of nowhere and I'd knock the ball past him and he'd taken me out and the referee just booked him straight away. And as so, you're lying there and then going, you see the L card, you go, oh, you beauty. It, yeah, exactly. You know, I've got him on yeah. toast here now. Exactly. So it was like, uh, you know, any game between Besiktas and, and, and Fenerbahce is always a, a well-supported affair. And, you know, I remember our, our, our supporters in the distance over there and the game had gone on. It was a bit up and down and stuff like that. And then the ball came into me, sort of like probably about, must have been about 30 yards out, something like that. And I remember turning. Nezzy was up the back turning. Your first touch is yeah, lovely. And, it sticks, in yeah. it? It's glued. And then I turned him. And then I, I saw like get on a bit of a run, saw like heading towards the box, and I go between a couple of a couple of players, and then as I as I go to shoot, I, I saw like dummy, and saw like Schumacher goes down. But there's a little dive from one of the defenders, yeah, that's right, and yeah. you're showing this way, and as he dives, yeah. it's just like yeah, seeing it coming, like, you pull it left, exactly, and then it's you and Tony Schumacher. And before the game, there's a big friendly. There's been no animosity between you two. He comes looking for yeah, you. That's right, big, yeah. I don't know if maybe beneath it. Oh, please don't rob me of my. How many years is since my 40-year hatred? I was at that World Cup, and I just still think it's a crime. Yeah. But like, he'd obviously taken a shine to you. So is, is it one-on-one? You're not even thinking that it's Schumacher. You just... No, as I, it's I, all instinct, yeah, isn't as it? I, as, I, as I've done what I've done, I'm thinking, right, OK, the icing on the cake is this ball being in the back of the net. And it didn't matter. You, you know, at that time, you, you don't even think about who the goalkeeper is. You've just got in your mind what you're going to do now. And as I've cut back inside, and he's come out, I'm thinking outside of the boot, and it goes in, it goes in the bottom corner. And this is exactly what what happened. And um, it wasn't till afterwards, you know, all all, all the, the players come and they jump on me and they're going, "Are you God? What a goal!" And we ended up winning that one 0 and then it was nil nil in the, the replay. So we ended up winning sort of like one nil and winning the, the the cup. So yeah, yeah, special moment. And and as I said, I'd had a couple of battles with with, with Schumacher as well. You know, some of the balls in the air where he sometimes 
other players wouldn't go for it. I went for it, and we had a couple of clashes. Now we're getting to it. So um, he's still a bad there, there was, there was. A, I never forgive. There was a bit of respect, <laughs> I suppose. Coming home after that must have been, you know, fabulous. The, the legend is that there was some petition to the government that you should say. I mean, what, what, what was this? Yeah. So in Turkish football and, and in some other countries in the world as well, because like you, you, you've been fortunate to be part of the, 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 the Spanish team when they've won things, and you get the king in the dressing room you after they've won the world. So in, in Turkish football, when you play a cup final, the president will come to the game. When we won the cup final after the game show, we went for dinner, and the yeah. president turned up for dinner with with the winning team. And then the owner of the, the football club at the time, uh, they, they call him the Bashkan, who's the, the, the chairman, uh, and, and his name was Suleiman Sabah. He was complaining to the president that they wanted to keep me for another year and QPR wasn't being um, forthcoming and allowing this to happen. So he said, no problem, I'll write to... Um, so he wrote to Mar- Margaret Thatcher. He generally did. He generally wrote to Margaret Thatcher saying that they want to keep um, me for another year and they <laughs> think, he thinks she should intervene and speak to Queen's Park Rangers. He's showing a rudimentary grasp. Maybe he thought she was a, a season ticket holder. Yeah, maybe. Um, How bizarre! I know it was. And when when they showed me the letter, I was like, because when I, I'd heard it and I'd like thought, ah, oh, no, this is what they actually showed me the letter that was sent, like you know. So um, yeah, they tried to try to do that. Was it Jim Gregory at the time? Uh, Jim Gregory would have been, yeah, would have been. The, the chairman. That's a match between uh, yeah. Jim Gregory and Margaret Thatcher yeah. going five rounds. I don't know who'd have come out and talked. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I came back. In in the meantime, uh, Jim Smith had left QBR and gone on to uh, manage Newcastle. Uh, Trevor Francis had taken over as the manager here at the club and so what I did was um, at one stage myself and Gordon came back in that same Christmas period that he came over to see me while I was over that same Christmas period we flew back spoke to Trevor about could I stay for another year and at the time Trevor asked could the club play a transfer fee so Gordon was saying over here over in Turkey they don't pay pay transfer fees Mm. It's usually player goes for free at, uh, at the end of the season. So Trevor was going, oh, the only way we could do it is if you could pay a transfer fee of about half a million. So Gordon was like, no, we can't do that. And I said, but look, you know, I'd like to stay because obviously if you're willing to sell me for then you're not planning to use me. Yeah. Really. And he went, no, nah, well, the other side of the coin is I don't want to play next season. Uh, I'm in charge. I don't want to play next season. Uh, I am player manager, but I don't really want to play that much. So if there's someone scoring goals out, we've seen your record. If there's someone scoring goals out, maybe it, um, it would benefit us if we brought you back. So um, in the end, I, I ended up coming back. It's interesting that you would have been at least interested in staying. Yeah. That's a big leap from what have I done, Midnight Express. Yeah. Another year. Yeah, yeah. It shows like a brilliant action, and brilliant talent too, because nobody should underestimate that. Not, not the risks that you were taking, but you were going out into the unknown. Yeah. I really hugely yeah. admire that. Yeah. And I remember at the time being proud. So I always had a wanderlust myself. Yeah. And therefore, to see footballers who went abroad, Steve Archibald went to, to Barcelona. I was always fascinated by John Charles, who yeah, yeah, was before yeah, us, yeah, but was course, a legend yeah. in Italy, etc. I must point out that Gordon Mill was an absolute fantastic, yeah. absolutely. I can't thank him enough. And, and, and a lot of the times you come back and you start talking and people start talking about who influenced you, your career. And obviously, because things kicked off for me when I got back here and Jerry Francis had, had taken over, there's a lot talked about Jerry Francis. But, you know, I don't think without Gordon Mill, Having it's been in my point. life yeah. and teaching me some of the stuff that he taught me, that I would have had the career on and off the pitch, maybe. Yeah, at both, you know, because you know Gordon was out there with his wife Edith, and sometimes his, his boys used to come out to Istanbul, and he just made sure that I was all right the whole time I was there. He gave me the the scope to just concentrate on football. Mm. Um, you know, he made sure that everything was 
done and everything was okay for me. So all I could do was concentrate on football. So he was a massive help for me in my in my career. And he goes on, if I'm not wrong, I mean, we, we, we come off, Gordon, but I, I made a mistake in not asking about him because yeah. he's been important to you, but my respect goes to him too for he'd been out there before you. He'd yeah. taken these same risks, at the, you know, with the same sort of cultural shock waiting for him. And largely, although he moved to Japan, he, he then made his reputation even bigger because he, he coaches at least two or three more times That's right, yeah. in Turkish football yeah. and successfully and presumably is regarded as something of a legend there. In fact, does he also coach Fenerbahce? He, he moves, he, is, he doesn't just work at Besiktas, yeah. but for an Englishman to coach a couple of clubs yeah. and become, I think, at one stage, a director of football too, yeah. it, it, it speaks about real quality. Yeah, he was, he was absolutely fantastic out there and they, they revered him. You know, he brought something. You know, what I didn't realise is uh, at the time of going, I was the first British player to ever go out and play in Turkey. No, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I was the first British player to ever go and play in Turkey. And um, I'm not sure if Gordon was the first manager, but I know certainly was the first British player. They held him in such high esteem because not only was he a good manager, but the way he conducted himself Mm. as well. And I think he he was pretty much like all the things I'm talking about. He immersed himself in, in, Mm. in in Turkish life and, you know, people would see him about the place. Like myself, I'd take myself to the Grand Bazaar and go and look at all the different bits and pieces that I had to, to look at. And um, and Gordon did the same. So, like, we never sort of, like, cut ourselves off from anybody. Sensational. I love hearing these words because it's been a, a credo of mine all my life that I can't stand, or, or at least for those who have talent in sport who, who won't even sample the foreign life, they're cutting mm. themselves off from yeah. a really enriching experience. Could go Well, could go badly. That's, you know, in the lap of the gods. Mm. But it's something that you should experiment with. And there's something in our makeup here, yeah. like so few in Britain are willing to try a foreign language because they're a little bit scared of embarrassment. Yeah. We're supposed to be a kind of warrior nation. We're kind of quite... Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a fear of embarrassment yeah. almost... And risk, I think. Yeah. In, and footballers now, to this day, are saying England's good for me. That's fine. Mm. It's a shame about that. Hopefully, you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios twelve months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us. To become a socio, and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview, plus regular mini-documentaries, not only all ad-free, but all featuring me, and bringing you interesting, funny, and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite interesting, revelatory, top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road, interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.